0: Welcome to ACR Moonshot, the advanced cardiac resuscitation podcast where we embrace a bold change in the way that we plan for and respond to sudden cardiac arrest in the pursuit of saving more lives. And now your host, Joe Powell and Billy Croft. Hey, Joe. Hey,
1: Billy, Billy, Billy. How you doing, sir?
0: <laughs> well, we're at it again. Um, where are we this time?
1: Well, first off, you shouldn't ask me, you know, uh, geographic questions, because last time I think I got it wrong. But uh, we are in Des Moines, uh, Iowa, I believe, at this point. Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. The places we go. I know. I know. It's crazy, but I think we're doing some good work here. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I'm a Hawkeye fan, but I know there's, there's Haw- Hawkeyes and Cyclone fans, so... Y-
1: yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, so uh you just stay we'll stay with the Hawkeyes if you're a Hawkeye fan. Yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty flat out here too. It, it is, it is, yeah. But uh it's a nice area and glad we can uh we can do some work here. Yeah, we're definitely in the middle of the Midwest, that's for sure. Yeah, no no mountains close. So um
0: we're out here in Des Moines, but uh we had a pretty uh interesting month last month, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I got to come out to uh to your neck of the woods. And, uh, we had a survivor banquet that was, uh, amazing, very, very emotional for me and very touching. So it was, I really appreciate you doing all the work to put that on and, and, uh, and to get that straightened around.
0: Yeah, it was, it was, it was great. You know, um, just seeing people come together, uh, with, with love and, you know, just a second chance and getting to speak to people, you know, and, you know, the survivors getting to speak to the crews and, uh, the dispatchers and anybody else involved, the ER staff. It, it was it's just it's just awesome to see that.
1: yeah, it was a, it was amazing to just watch uh, the crews and 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 like I said the dispatchers and the nurses and everybody just to sit down and having breaking bread with somebody that has survived cardiac arrest. What an amazing event. it just yeah, I just sat there kind of in awe of watching the whole process happen.
0: Yeah, yeah uh, it's uh, it's a lot of work. I bet, it, I bet. It, it, it definitely is, but the benefits outweigh all that where I do it every, every time, yeah, you know, yeah. without, without question. And, um, you know, we'll talk about, you know, survivors banquets and the benefits of those, okay. you know, in this podcast, I yeah, think yeah. that'd be pretty good, but, uh, um, we got to pretty special guest. (laughs)
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. um, I got to, uh, I got to meet this gentleman uh, at the survivor banquet and uh, that's just really special. It's, it's, you know, uh, the feeling of shaking someone's hand that you had a very small part in, in helping them survive. I I can't describe it. I just can't describe it.
0: Yeah. I, you know, um, I made all the initial calls to all these survivors to invite them and it's, It's so emotional for me, Mm. you know, to to talk to them. And my poor wife Lucy, you know, I was I was in the car actually when I talked to um, our next guest, and um, my wife is listening to this and she is just bawling her eyes out. I bet, I bet, you know, on on the phone because it's so emotional to hear, you know, um, just the gratitude and and the thanks for. You know, giving that person another day, yeah, you know, with yeah. their family, and I got to talk with this, uh, with this gentleman's wife, and um, I, it just, it just restores, you know, faith in humanity again, <laughs> right? For right. me, yeah.
1: and uh, it's it's awesome. So you know, we we uh, you know, Billy, we, as you know, when you've you've heard uh, me do the lecture, we've done the lecture together, um, and and taught around the around the country. And, you know, at the end of the lecture, I always talk about, you know, what's one more day worth? What's one more day worth? And, you know, and I, I say that over and over and over again. Um, and, and I believe everything I say, but when I go to a Survivor Banquet and see what one more day is really worth, it's, it just, just, yeah, it just lights me up. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: really good. Well, should we uh, talk to this? I call him a superhero because he is a All right. superhero. Absolutely. Let's bring him on. Let's bring him on. Hey, Steve, how are you?
2: Hey, I'm doing great, and uh, I'm not the superhero here. The superheroes are the people who, who helped save me.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, yep. well, you're worth it. You know, I always I always say that. When people say thank you, I always say you're worth it. Yeah. Because they are.
1: They are, absolutely. Yeah, they yeah. definitely
0: are. So, um, Steve, let's tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you from and what you do and all that stuff?
2: Sure. I'm a Naperville resident, been here. Uh, 26 years, lived in the Chicago Western suburbs since my parents moved down here from Wisconsin. I was in uh, fifth grade, so, you know, it's 10. I'm, uh, 60 now, so 50 years in the, in the area, uh, here, Woodridge, Lyle, Naperville. Awesome. Uh, And I'm I'm a software developer. I've had the fortune, good fortune to work from home for the last, you know, most most of the last probably seventeen years wow. or so, uh, before it got popular with COVID when everyone like, all of a sudden got to work involved. Uh so I had all the opportunity to be around my kids growing up, get involved in sports and band and and color guard and all the things that they got into, I was able to, you know, participate at a at a at a great level, including traveling around the country with on sports teams and with them and,
1: wow. and things
2: like that. So uh, so me and my wife and, and three kids are all adults now. Jessica, twenty six. Jimmy and Amanda, twins, at twenty
1: three. Wow, Steve. Uh, any any grandkids? Nope. Nope. Yeah, but we're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hold the horse, right? you yeah, like, he might on. not be working on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. So, um, were you? Uh, Tell me about your experience when I called you um, initially.
2: So, so it, it was, it was, it was was you initially contacted my daughter, Amanda, because she was the one who placed the call. So that was your only real contact. So you texted her. She had forwarded the text on saying, hey, you should give this guy a call to text back. So I texted you, and uh, uh, you said, hey, how about if we talk to Tomorrow at ten o'clock, or you know, can't remember exactly what what, what that was, but uh, um, I was very excited and, and I had a lot of anticipation uh, and 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 what you had to say because I didn't really know you know anything really about it, um, but it was about a huge part of my life and you know uh, I just wanted, I was I was nervous and excited and then we got to talk and you told me about the 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 Survivor's Banquet invited me to it. Me and my family. I uh, was like, "Oh my goodness, yes, yes, yes." Uh, my wife was there. You know, she could just barely hold back the tears. Um, you know, it was it was a very emotional time right from the right from the get go. You know, it's like, okay, Bill, you had us at home, at hello. Like, <laughs> all
0: right. All right. Well, that's. Uh, I mean, it was it was awesome talking to you uh, and your wife uh, that day for sure, but. Let's go back in time and, you know, take your time with this. Um, I know this is, uh, you know, can be very emotional, you know, talking about it. Um, This was a a significant event in your life and your family's life. But we feel this is very important um, for survivors to tell their story because as first responders, and Joe, you probably – you know, can relate to this, we don't always know what happens yeah, yeah.
1: To, to our patients, right? In fact, rarely do we do we get to find out what happens with those real critical patients.
0: Yeah, and, you know, when we have, uh, that's why these events are so important, these survivor events, is that you almost have, like, closure to, to the whole event. Right, You know, right. To, to what happened, and, you know, you're actually finding out, you know, that what we're doing is actually working, yeah. and we're actually making a difference in people's lives.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely right. You're, yeah, you get to actually meet them and 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 sit with them and see them interact with their family, and I think that that uh, that helps closure not just with that patient, right, or that person, but closure maybe with a lot of other folks that you never got closure with. That you kind of like, okay, I can see what what's possible here. What what you know what happened? Yeah. So take
0: your time with that, Steve, and just uh, you know um, if you can recount know what happened? Tell our listeners, you know, your story. Sure.
2: So uh, you know, and if I if I get choked up at all, I'll, I'll, I'll get through it. I've told the story fifty times, probably, and normally I get through it no problem. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, I took some notes to make sure I didn't I didn't forget any of the key details. Uh, so if I look like I'm referring to my chicken scratching, that, that is a little bit what I'm doing. <laughs> so it was on May 2nd, 2020, the, kind of the heart of, of COVID hysteria. You know, no one really knew what was going on other than, you know, at that point the economy was shutting down, people were losing their jobs, everyone, you know, were doing weird things to stay isolated. Uh, and, you know, I had the whole family at home. Amanda came back from, from college, the ISU shut down uh Jimmy was already we was going to school staying here his girlfriend came back from uh, New Hampshire and she was actually living with us her parents had more issues with uh, uh health conditions uh, and and weren't as keen on having a uh, uh, you know young people coming back from college getting into a, a smaller apartment you know uh so she she was here with us so we had a full house um it was you know it was it's fun for a while to have everyone back, but you know, then eventually, there's <laughs> a lot of people. It was a beautiful night. I mowed the lawn earlier in the day. Uh, me and my wife went outside to have uh, fires. We normally do out on the patio next to our in-ground pool. We've got all these lights, decorative lights, hung out, so it's like a little, you know, party atmosphere most of the time. Um, you know, we bring music out there. Times have a few drinks, sit around the fire and talk about rest of the day unwind right um and we do this a lot you know this is in the nice weather we do that two three times a week probably so it's not unusual for us to be out there uh, at all um and uh you know we were we were uh sitting there texting people my brother had just had a stroke a a few months before and he had been recovering and I do things to help take care of him uh, so we were talk, talk uh, texting about something and while I was doing that Kathy was texting her friend because if I was busy texting she was gonna do something too right um, so we weren't really you know talking at the moment and and at some point she looked over and I was I was kind of slumped over I can't remember if my head was back or on my on my chest it's not unusual that I might not ever fall asleep sitting up <laughs> you know. probably not around the fire but you know that was a wasn't necessarily thousand percent unusual, maybe unusual in that situation. And she called over and said, like, Steve, you know, Steve, you know, normally I just wake up and like, what, you know, but I didn't really, I didn't respond, you know, so she came over and, and kind of shook me to, to wake me up and I still didn't respond. And then that's when, you know, uh, that's when things got real. And so she yelled to, to inside, call 911, something's the matter with dad, my daughter, Amanda, got on the phone, at the same time, our neighbors who live straight back, uh, their young kids were all at home and, you know, because of COVID again, uh, and and their adult children, I should say, uh, and they were having a fire, which is very unusual because they don't really do that that much, but they had a little fire pit also, and and Michelle and her sister Isabel and Michelle's boyfriend were sitting around there having a fire when they heard heard like fall line one something's the matter with dad and then i think i had a glass in my hand and it hit the ground and and broke right uh, uh, like a wine glass so that made a noise and that got their attention and they saw what was going on and and uh you know michelle was uh she had just graduated or was in the process of graduating from well, i guess she i think she had just graduated um uh pharmacy school she got her doctorate in pharmacy uh and um she'd also been a lifeguard for like 9 years with required CPR classes and stuff like that so she had her boyfriend throw her over the top of our 6 foot high fence we have around we have a pool so we have a big wood fence she he tossed her over the over the fence so she ran over and, and took over the CPR for my wife. My wife was trying to get me out of, out of the chair. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm a big guy. My wife is five feet tall, a hundred pounds soaking wet. So the two of them got me on out, out the chair and, and onto the deck. the uh, the boyfriend had made it over. And they got on the deck and they started on CPR. Um, Michelle started on the CPR, proper CPR, I should say, uh, which I now know is, is bystander CPR, but I guess we'll probably talk about that later. Um, and the first first responder who came in was came the came was a policeman who happened to be uh, just right close by on patrol when the call came in, and he was the very first one here. And then from the survivors' bank, we found out that that uh, the EMTs with the ambulance got here so quickly because they happened to be traveling back from a call, and they were on Royce Road, which is connects to Trillium, where I live, and they were. They literally just had to turn around, and, and a minute or two, they were here. So, uh, so they were here super fast, which is another key part to the to the to the success of everything. Um, and uh, you know, the thing that that, that was uh, interesting about it that you know, looking at my notes is you know, we've known uh, Michelle since since uh, and her sister Isabel since they were in like Michelle was in first or second grade. She's the same age as my oldest eldest daughter Jessica. They went to school from elementary, junior high, and high school together, uh, and were friends from, you know, childhood on. Um, and it was interesting that that I tell people that, you know, when 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 she first met, you know, you wouldn't think that someone that, you know, you were you know, your biggest concern was getting them juice boxes and a hot dog while they're swimming in the pool uh, would, you know, 20, you know, 18 years later, or 21 years later would end up, you know, saving my life with the, you know, through all that, all that schooling and everything else that she gone through a lot of shared time with my, with my daughter, with my daughter, Jessica. Um, so that was uh, you know, uh, an interesting aspect of, of the whole, to the whole story. Um, so,
1: so Steve, let me, let me see if I, I got this right. So Michelle is the, uh, the neighbor and the, yeah, uh, And the, the pharmacist, and she's the one that did the trapezius act over the fence to yeah. come and do CPR on you? That... Yeah. Wow, that and
2: is... And the boy climbed over, and I think it's about climbed over then, and they, they helped with whatever they could when I had to be moved, uh, you know. and But Michelle took over the, the CPR. She was well-trained in it, you know, through a, you know years of life lifeguard genius is, is how it's been explained to me.
1: Ah, it's amazing. Okay. Uh, absolutely, man. I, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm just trying to put together the story. That's an amazing story.
2: So the policeman came and, ate, and he said, let's move the tables out of the way so the, the, the stretchers can go straight through for the front door. They got the doors propped open. The lift came like, you know, seconds later, right? And they shot through, they took over. Um, and they used, you know, a lot of skill and training. Uh, they used the uh, automated device. I guess that, uh, um, that, uh, they could, they could strap on and, and perform, you know, perfect CPR and never get tired. Right. That's the, the thing I, I learned about that, that the machine never gets tired. Um, but I was in bad shape. I, I was, in, I was, uh, I was not good. Uh, my heart had stopped, you know, I it started with an arrhythmia. I guess they said my heart, probably went out of control and then at some point stopped. Um, and, you know, they, had, they were doing the CPR, put the machine on me. They had to bring the paddles out to try to restart my heart, uh, they, you know, at one time, two times, you know, and then the third time, and it still didn't, still didn't work. And, you know, my family were kind of coming to the realization that, you know, it probably wasn't going to happen that I was gone. Um but the EMTs said, no no, we're not we're not done. They went a the fourth time and got my heart started. Um uh, still in bad shape, but they rushed me to the hospital, got me in, you know, on a stretcher in the in the ambulance to the hospital, uh, where the ER docs took over and um, you know, it was touch and go, you know, that whole first night, probably twenty four hours. Um, you know, they told my wife, you know, who couldn't travel with me to the hospital, couldn't go in the ambulance or anything, that, uh, you know, I probably wasn't going to make it. That people who arrived in the, in the state that I I was in after, you know, being out for quite a while without a, a heartbeat and getting a start, but a, a weak heartbeat, I guess, um, you know, that I, I, you know, I probably wouldn't make it. and. But they managed to hide in the hospital. Someone, uh, someone, a nurse who took pity on them uh, when they were getting kicked out. You know, walked them to a, a different floor and and said, "Here's this like little room, tiny room. They, they call it a closet." they do They said it was a little tiny office. They said you guys can stay in here, but you can't. You know, be making any noise or anything, and and you know, the calling you on know, the phone or or whatever. And, and uh, you can just stay here, and if something happens, good or bad, you know, we can maybe get you out. Um, so they stayed, they spent the night there. You know, they're in summer clothes, air conditioning blowing down, and they're all freezing to death. Um, and uh, they, you know, they worked on me, and they, you know, the next day, you know, they they said, that, you know, he's, you know, he's still in bad shape. He's still probably not going to make it. And they recommended a somewhat. I guess experimental or, or, uh, advanced therapy that, that they thought, you know, maybe it could work, maybe not. Uh, they said it would be, it would be hard on me, but they put me into a coma and then lowered my body temperature down to some really low level for a period of days. Uh, uh you know, three, maybe four days and then rose me back out of it, took me out of the, out of the coma. Um, and you know, I had to, you know, kidney failure. So they had to be doing dialysis on me, and, and all sorts of stuff like that. they didn't know if my if my if my liver or kidneys would would function properly. They knew I, you know I, they would have to recover because uh, they weren't working. Uh, but that wasn't totally unexpected, I guess. And uh, when they
1: when
2: they when they brought me out, these are some of the things that I I only try to remember. So the from the time I slumped. So the time they woke me up and asked me the first question. Uh, I don't really remember anything. I do remember being in the ICU, and there are a couple of things that I always get confused when I tell this part of the story. Uh, and and I finally figured out there might be a, 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 an explanation for it. Uh, but the earliest thing that I remember was them waking me up, and the two you know I'd been intubated and I didn't have a tube in me, and they asked me. You know, Steve, do you know where you are? Do you know what happened? I, you know, I look up and I'm seeing, you know, hospital lights and IVs and doctors looking at me. And all I could say was, oh, this, this is not good. I'm in a hospital. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know why, you know. And and they almost started cheering because I spoke. That was like, that was like the, the you know, the second miracle. First miracle was that I lived. And the second miracle was was I could speak and I was coherent and I could form thoughts and sentences, you know. So that you know, that got everyone jazzed up. And uh um you know, the part that I said that doesn't doesn't jive with it, uh but I also remember uh having a FaceTime session with my family because again they weren't allowed in the hospital after that first night they, they got discovered, they finally got kicked out. Um and I remember a FaceTime conversation with them. I couldn't speak because I had a tube back in me, but I assume maybe they, they put a tube back in me because I wasn't ready to, 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 breathe totally on my own. Um, and I remember giving them the thumbs up signal, signal, you know, um, and that was good to, to be able to see them and for them to see me. Uh, and, uh, so then after that, I, uh, you know, I had a few more days in the ICU, um, maybe two or three days in the ICU. And I had uh, something called ICU psychosis where all the lights and the bells and the whistles and the machinery and the noises start to get on, on people's psyche and they start to to go a little nuts. And so I guess that started happening to me. So they decided they were going to move me out of the ICU and into a regular room where it would be quieter. And I bring some of the equipment in that I still needed. Uh, But at that point, they didn't feel as though I, you know, I needed to have, you know, constant nurse, nursing supervision. I was, I was starting to rapidly recover, I guess, was the decision that they, they made. And I could go on to a regular room. Uh, of course, then it was the middle of COVID, so I went on a regular room. Uh, but I still had, like, oh, basically a dedicated nurse because there's 30 rooms in the, on the floor and only two of them had people in, in it because they weren't doing any lective surgeries or anything else like that. Uh, so I, 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 got a lot of nursing care, a lot of individual attention either way. That was maybe part of factoring on, in on the decision. Um, and, uh, you know, after that, you know, I was, they knew, they knew I was in really, my family knew I was in really good shape and I could just talk on our, on the phone regularly, call them and, and talk with them. And I, and, uh, the, you know, just a regular call. And I, I said, okay, who's going to give me my laptop? You know, I have <laughs> my laptop here. There's only so much TV you can watch, uh, and I'm a computer guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, my wife, you know, worked me over, you know, quite a bit to not bring me that laptop for the longest time because I felt as though, in conversation with the doctors, I was still just a little, a little whacked out from the ICU psychosis and the whole process. So there were a few moments in there where I'm, not, you know, my mind maybe wasn't totally totally straight uh, I had some horrible nightmares for three or four nights um, where it just they were horrifying and really weird things uh, civil war pictures old civil war pictures me and my wife are, are civil War uh, history nuts and some of the old-time pictures of battles in the Civil War the dead on the fields, and that's that's what I dreamed of like I was right there in yep. those fields and it and and wouldn't leave me and I so I just, it was like, oh, I need to sleep. I would tell the doctors, you know, if I could, if I could sleep, I, you know, I'll be hundred percent. I'll dance down the, down the, 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 the empty hallway, you know, if I can get <laughs> some sleep. I, uh, you know, within another, within a week of of being in the in a in a regular room, then I was, you know, up and moving around. Uh, I could finally go to the bathroom by myself and get back to the bed. But I was. My body was still very weak, and I was very tired. I, I, I didn't have a ton of energy. Uh, that was one of the aspects of it uh, of the whole the whole thing that happened to me. Uh, that was you know a bit unusual. And I remember the one other guy who was was in on the uh, on the floor when I first started there. Uh, he was he was nearing the end of whatever he was recovering from. I'm not really sure what what that was that, that he was recovering from because we never really got a chance to talk, but he was walking so fast and I was, I was struggling to, to get 20 feet down the hallway, hanging on to IVs. And, and I, 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 it's a joke with a nurse. I said, Oh, you know, he's just showing up. He, I said, he's going so, so fast. He's like those uh, uh the speed skaters in the, in the Olympics that go around and they're, they're, they're totally leaning. They got the one arm swinging behind them to help keep their balance. And, I said, you know,
1: <laughs> I said,
2: I'm going to be that guy though, you know, yeah. but you know, I get better here. And I, I kept it up. Uh, I ended up having to stay in the hospital for, you know, another couple extra, couple extra weeks, maybe 12 extra days. because I, I developed a blood allergy that, that they had to figure out because of COVID. the specialized test results took like almost a week to get, and then mm-hmm. had a week worth of treatment and stuff. And they wouldn't let me go. Um, but at that point, I was recovering quickly. I was starting to do, you know, ten laps at a, at a, at a try around the ward, you know, good speed, you know, and uh, you know, I was building strength up, and uh, you know, my mind was was totally clear, and all I really wanted to do was get out of there because my my family couldn't come and see me. Uh, you know, that was that was really hard. They would uh, stand outside the the hospital. With with signs that I still have, you know, you know, staying there, hanging their dad and all that kind of stuff, and uh, that you know, actually, you know, they 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 allowed some visits where I could go down in the lobby and I could see them for five or ten minutes. Uh, They couldn't come up to the room, but the doctors would let me uh, with a nurse go down to the lobby, or people would come in still, Mm -hmm. Uh, so I see That that helped. That helped a lot. Um, but it was it was it was a tough time, but. I met a lot of good nurses, uh, you know, because they didn't have a lot to do uh, during, during all those times. I got a lot of attention and I got to find out all sorts of stuff about, I knew about every single nurses where they went to college and what kind of activities (laughs) they did. I ran into one that, you know, one that used to do the same club soccer that my, my, my twins were at, you know, and uh, had some of the same coaches and, you know, it's amazing what what you, know, you find out that you know all the doctors in the hospital were kind of the same thing they didn't have a ton to do either so i would get visits from from all sorts of doctors who weren't like amongst the the main ones handling me my cardiologist the electrician the, the surgeon the liver doctor you know they would be in almost every day uh but i would have people that came in from the er and he'd say well you know you probably don't remember me but i was here the night that, that we brought you in and
0: it's pretty special. That everyone
2: wants to come up and see you, you know, because you know, no one can believe that you're still here.
0: Right. That, right. You
2: know, part of the, the 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 you know the reason this story, you know, needs to be told is that, you know, people do make it through, right? You know, and and you can do it. But the, the key is the, the training, the equipment, the a little bit of luck, you know, luck that the uh, the neighbors were out when they're almost never out, but they happen to be out there and they could hear it and, and jump into action right away. Those first few minutes, Bill, I'm sure you told a million people how critical. Those first few minutes are to keep some air and blood flowing, uh, and on people. Um, and once I got to the hospital, I got a little straight back. I had to get my hair cut, you know, cause I'd gone in with a COVID haircut to begin with. Uh, you know, uh, so I had to, as long hippie hair going, <laughs> I was like I was able to get to that, get a little bit of energy walking around the neighborhood. Uh, everything went back to, to pretty much normal for me.
1: Steve, um, uh, how, how, how many days from the day that you had your original event to the, uh, to you were discharged from the hospital?
2: So it was about 30 days, 30 days, 30, okay. 30 or 31 days. Could have been like 10 to 12 days shorter than that. Uh, and if I had a uh, blood allergy.
0: And then no no neurological deficit nothing like that.
2: No, not the, not that anyone told me or as apparent to me. Uh,
0: wow, that's amazing! Yeah, fantastic, fantastic.
2: And then when I was in there, I, I had some procedures done to, to help prevent any arrhythmia from happening again. And you know, it wasn't a heart attack; it was arrhythmia that caused the cardiac arrest. Um, so I had an ablation done where they they kind of scar up the top of the heart to keep mm-hmm. electrical signals from crossing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I had, uh, an ICD implanted. Uh, so yeah. if it ever detects issues, the heart going out of control, it can give me a great big shock to, mm-hmm. uh, put it under control. And then I take, I take some medicine that helps control those electrical signals, I guess. I can't ever say it metropol or something like that, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> I'll take that I guess every day the rest the of, rest of my life, which hopefully is yeah. another, you know, thirty plus years at this point, because I got a, a lease on life from, you know, everyone. It took a village. It took it took my wife, it took my daughter, then the neighbor, then the police officer, then the EMTs, then the PR ER docs and ER nurses, and then the regular ICU docs and nurses, then. My cardiologist practice, you know, most of them and 40 nurses, you know, to, to take care of it. And, you know, I, I, I guess I, you know, need to say, you know, thank you to you, Bill and, and, and Joel for starting this all off, starting this emphasis on, on, on how to improve the outcome, you know, for these severe, severe events. You know, I think it's mostly, cardiac type events, but not necessarily just cardiac that, that, uh, you guys are, you know, involved in. Um, and so if that hadn't happened, you know, maybe someone would have gotten tired, maybe that, that fourth time they wouldn't have had the energy to, to go for a fourth time to, 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 to get me through, you know, you know, there's a lot of who knows what it would have been if any one of those things didn't fall in place. And that's what I'm, you know, so entirely grateful for and. I like to you know tell that story. Uh, as long as my daughter's not around, she doesn't really like to hear the story.
0: <laughs> well, it's a it's an amazing story. Uh, you know, thank you for for being brave to tell it. Um, more people need to hear about that stuff about how it actually affects them and you know their family and you know what they went through, and um, to know that what we're doing with ACR. You know, the, the change in, you know, doing mechanical CPR to, you know, um, to rescue pod, using the rescue pod and, you know, patient positioning and, um, you know, just all the things that we implement in ACR. It matters. It matters because Steve is alive. <laughs> Steve is alive and he gets to spend, you know, the rest of his life with his family and they get to be with him. And that's that's why we do it. Absolutely, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: All of the, all of the little details in the in the in the ACR toolbox, everything that that improves cerebral perfusion, right? So that Steve can sit here on the phone. Can you believe what he's he's on the phone with us, talking to us? Right. I know now? it's it's that's great. In, that's incredible, right? Just proof that uh, mm-hmm. what you guys have done in Naperville and what uh, and how ACR has affected that process. So
0: yeah, we we talked about that today. You know, um, you know when we go through these. Um, ACR events and 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 uh, agencies are are wanting to go this and change.
1: It's hard. Yeah, change is hard. Yeah, it,
0: it's very hard, right? But it's so worth it. And when and and I said and I and I told them it's not if it's when when, when, when yep. you save someone's life, you got to celebrate those things, right? It's so important to celebrate your success and to to have those survivors meet, you know, the, the people that affected their outcome. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's a amazing sight to see. And, you know, the buy-in, um, from, you know, everybody involved, it just, it's huge. And, you know, you talk about your city leadership being there and, uh, what that means to the community. And, you know, that's why, that's why we, we have, you know a city council, yeah, and yeah. you know they want to make the the city safe, yeah, and and yeah. part of that is you know the fire department and you know the police department and you know doing doing things like CPR programs in, in your community, having AED access. You know we want to protect our citizens. Yeah. Yep, and that's how you do it. It takes a village. Steve said it. It takes yeah, a village. It takes A
1: village, right? It takes. There's a lot. A lot of things had to happen for it to go right. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, the fire department's not in a silo. We yeah. don't work out of a silo. We <laughs> have to work with, with all these things, and um, you know, to make a, a difference. So. Um, yeah,
2: and I, I agree. All those things. You know, I, I talked about the sequence of events that needed to go right to help me on that day and that particular emergency. But, but what went right before that was, you know. Leadership in the fire department seeing, seeing where there was a need and, uh, you know, working with the city government to allocate the funds for it to, to be able to do advanced training and get advanced equipment. Um, you know, that takes, that takes more than, you know, just the fire department. It does take, it does take the elected leaders. It does take the the mayor and it takes the, the rank and file workers in the city government to, get through the whole process to make sure that the resources get spent to make it, make it the best for the the citizens of the community.
1: Well said. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I I couldn't say it any better. Right. But it's, it's really about spending the money for uh, spending that, the money so that you can have better outcomes, right? Mm -hmm. So that you can have people like Steve walking and talking every day. Just uh, that, you know, that's, that's why that, that money is there. And that's, and that's how it should be allocated. So those outcomes can be improved.
0: Yeah, so, you know, um all the all all these agencies out there, people who are listening, who are thinking about going through, you know, changing over to advanced cardiac resuscitation, you know, this is this is part of, it. you know, having celebrating your success, you know, um and and meeting those people. It it has to come full circle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, um in order to to realize, okay, this is we we actually did this. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is the outcome and, and to be able to meet Steve's family. And, um, I was, I always get, I, you know, I, I love you, Steve. I love, <laughs> I love that you're around, but, um, I love talking to the families too. Oh, and yeah, yeah. What does that mean to them? Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's just so emotional, so heartfelt, you know, and it, that, that just drives me even harder Yeah, absolutely. You know, to do greater things, you know, for, um, for the citizens and I want I want to share that with everybody yeah, you know around the world and I know
1: you do too yeah, Joe, you, I, know. you know and just like you said this I, I didn't kind of put it all together until we just had this conversation the the full circle, right? know, we start off with, you know, money being allocated and looking at how we can improve outcomes. And then, you know, Steve has an event and then Steve goes to a survivor ceremony and touches other people's lives. And now on our podcast, he's going to touch other people's lives and encourage other departments and other EMS agencies to, to move forward with better ways to, to provide better outcomes. And then they're going to have survivor ceremonies and there's going to be people there, right? It's just an amazing opportunity here. And uh, so excited to be part of it!
0: Yeah, Steve, um, I got one more question for you, um, and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up here. But um, what did it mean to you and your family to attend that survivors' banquet?
2: Well, that's probably we will get really emotional, Because <laughs> I've already I've already been saying, right? Um, so what was really really good about that was. The ability to to actually see the people who are responsible for for saving me and be able to thank them for my family, to thank them, uh, and you find out a little bit more about that night. Their their impression of what had happened, and uh, like I mentioned, uh, you know, when I was telling the story, I, I went try added in that it just so happened they they said, oh yeah, well, we were actually on the road, we were close by when the call came in, so you know we could get we ended up getting there. You know, probably a couple of minutes faster than had we you know been parked at the at the fire station which is actually pretty close to my house as is it just so happened that they were already on the move and they could get here even that much faster right and uh, you know, as you hear some of those details and they hear about you know their experiences uh, and and what it meant to them and what the survivor bank went to them as well uh, you know it was it was an amazing evening. It was, it was really amazing. And, you know, encourage you to, to continue to have them. But if there's any way I could help out, I will.
0: Well, thank you, Steve. And, um, you know, it's, it's my pleasure to do that. It's been, it's been great to get to know you and your family, and I'm glad you're still here, you know, um, being able to talk to us. It's, uh, I get emotional talking about it. Yeah, well, yeah, an emotional
2: topic. <laughs> yeah, yep, <laughs> when yep. you're when you're a survivor, when you're part of the when you're part of the group that that did the work to let someone be a survivor, like give us the chance to to be a survivor, you know. Thank you. You're thank, you
1: thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. It's uh, it's just an honor to uh, have have met you and uh, to have you a part of this. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be on.
0: Awesome. Well, as, as always, you know, we're always trying to get better tomorrow, right? Better tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah. And stop stopping. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, There you go. Stop stopping. (laughs) Better tomorrow. That's a whole (laughs) different conversation that we'll have. But again, thank you for listening to ACR Moonshot as always, please follow um, our podcast. And uh, if you have any questions, there'll be, there'll be um, contact information in our show notes. And um, thanks again, Steve and uh, Joe. We'll see you next
1: time. I'll see you next time.
0: This podcast and its postings are for general informational purposes only and do not constitute the practice of medicine, medical direction, medical oversight, or medical advice. No doctor patient or doctor health care provider relationship is formed. This podcast and advanced cardiac resuscitation are not a substitute for any local, state, or federal policies, protocols, or treatment guidelines. The views and opinions of the hosts and the guests of this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view or policy of advanced cardiac resuscitation, its officers, members, or member agencies. Reference to any specific product or or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by Advanced Cardiac Resuscitation. Thank you for listening to ACR Moonshot, the Advanced Cardiac Resuscitation Podcast.